information leader. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's 10 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for tuning in. The first day of school has been done and dusted. And for some, there were smiles, uh, giggles. And for others, there were tears and tantrums. And just listening to the many accounts yesterday of what children did on their first day uh, really brought a smile to one's face, uh, just looking at some of the stunts that some of the little ones tried to pull. However, there's more than just sending one's child off to school for the first time um, when we look at the broader spectrum of issues that come into play. There are issues of socialization, of communication, uh, a routine that takes place in a controlled environment and the reality is that for some children and parents, uh, this may be foreign territory. And then also there's the added pressure of making new friends, trying to fit in into an environment that is different from school, from home. And uh, there are also certain psychological and physiological aspects to consider when sending our children to school. Uh, we must also consider the role and the relationship that a parent has with the school and the educators. Um, so on the forum at 8 this morning, we asked how exactly do you prepare your child for school? And it may seem like a very banal question, but obviously there's more to, uh, you know, sending your child to school than just as Dr. Diale, who's our guest this morning, was pointing out to me, ticking the boxes, going through the technical aspects of it, saying I need to buy the uniform, I need to pay the fees, um, I need to, um, you know, buy a, uh, make a lunchbox and all of those. There's a lot more that should be going into uh, sending your child to school. Greater consideration is what is required. So let me welcome Dr. Tumi Diale, who's an educational psychologist at the Department of Education uh, Psychology uh, at the University of Johannesburg. Thank you so much for making the time to come through this morning. Thank you. So it's that time of year where everybody's excited, excited uh, perhaps if it's your first child going to school, the excitement is even greater. But it it applies to every little one that starts this 12-year journey. But then there's also those who go to high school and uh, the sort of pressures that that brings about or maybe just changing schools, moving from one school to another and the impact that those sort of moves would have on children. So when we talk about how parents prepare their children for school what sort of aspects should they be taking into consideration I guess the first aspect is for us to understand that preparing a child for school it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily stop at grade one you actually prepare your child for the whole 12 years because as they change grades also it's a different aspect of their life but more so we generally see it with grade ones when you prepare the child you'll hear people saying you're going to a big school now, you know, preparing them from the grade R, whether it's a kindergarten or Mm. a preschool to a grade one. And parents generally think in preparing the child for school, it's ticking the boxes, as I said earlier on. You buy your school uniform, you do, you, you buy the books, you make sure that the child is ready on time, you make sure that they've got their lunchbox. But you never actually go to the aspect of this unique person, the child besides the the technical aspect. And we miss points that this child is an emotional being, is a physical being, you know, is a cognitive being. And all those aspects of school readiness are not taken into consideration by parents. Uh, 
basically what we need to do is, if at all possible, the year before the child goes to school, at least around October, November, you know that your child is going to school in January. Take your child to the school that they are going to. You know, let them familiarize themselves with a day. I, I always say, I wish we had a system where we had an open day where the child spends the whole day at the school that they are going to in grade one. And they get the atmosphere of where am I going in future? Then from there, if you do it around October, you've got about the whole three months to emotionally prepare your child because it is an emotionally, you know, taxing context. Mm. Think of yourself as an adult when you change jobs. Tell me of an adult that changed jobs and say, ah, I'm fine. I'm just going to walk in there. It doesn't matter how confident you are. If you change context, it has got an emotional aspect in it. And I like the idea of an open day that uh, you are proposing because that inevitably will throw up certain questions uh, that the child may have. And it gives you as the parent an opportunity to engage on these aspects. Yes. And I I actually even my idea of an open day, it's even because schools can argue that we do have open days. But I'm not talking about a Saturday where you call parents to tell them. Mm. about the rules and regulations of the school because the child is coming here. I'm talking about a full day in the week where the rest of the other children are there. Then here comes this group of new grade, grade ones coming into the school who are integrated into the day system. They see what is it to, you know, it's like when we do job shadowing for the high school children mm. where they come with you to work for the whole day. So I mean a day where you can have your open day where your parents come and you update your parents. But the day in the week where the parent will drop this child for the day and the child just gets the feel of the school. And then you are able to deal with the emotional, the psychological, the physical, the cognitive parts of what the child has picked up in that one day. And I guess if that happens, we are able to solve many of those children who kick and cry and whatever on the first day. Because those are purely signs of children who are not prepared. Mm. And and then... During that open day, uh, would you propose that the parents stay and observe or should they do it as they would on day one of the school year starting where they would just leave the children with the teachers? I would actually have a situation where parents who are able to stay. I know people would argue disruptions in schools, but if you think of our school system towards the end of the year, Around November, children are there because its exams are finished, the curriculum is finished. It's actually a flexi day. So if parents and children are there, there is no curriculum disturbed. So parents who are able to be there are there, but parents who are able, who cannot, we know our context, parents who cannot but are able to drop their kids, maybe with a big sister or whoever, even if it's a half day, but children are there to integrate with those that are in the school. Taking them on a Saturday, actually, the school is empty, so it's me and my parents still, mm. and the others, we are all crying. Or whatever, it's still a safe same. space, it's still the familiar same space. Familiar space, so it doesn't make much of a difference. Whereas if they are there in the week, where they can see, wow, this big boy who's a grade seven and... And yet this is the actual world I'm going to next year. Mm. And as you say, uh, one would want to do this with minimum disruption to the actual curriculum and other activities that need to happen at the school. And as you were saying that, I thought of days when other classes may go on excursions uh, because that would mean a few empty classrooms that could also then be utilized for this purpose. That could be another option. That could be another option. So where would the parents start in having this conversation with their child? 
school readiness starts as early as t- the day you take your child for a kindergarten at three or whatever. You start preparing them for this, for, for you detaching, so to say. Because after birth and whatever, the first two, three years, we are so attached to our kids, you know. And it's basically you find that in most spaces, even if when parents go back to work, the child will be left behind with the granny or with the nanny at home. So it is still my space, this safe space. But immediately they go now to a crutch at three or so, and they start intermingling with other children. You start preparing them. But also because a crash context gives them that safe space in a way. You know, they are not fully prepared for schooling. But as parents, you start those conversations. Especially if you've got older kids, you start involving your older kids who are at school already to talk to their younger sibling. But if this is your first child, you know, as a society, we've got family members, we've got extended family members. You will definitely, even if it's your first child, you've got your, your brother's child who's already at school. Start making this child familiar with what schooling is all about. Because the basic things that they struggle with, it's structured to start with. Mm. I mean, at church, if I want to wee, teacher, I want to wee, you go to the bathroom. At school, you'll do that. The second time in 10 minutes, if you ask the teacher, says, sit down. <laughs> and if and you're not ready for starts. that, the trouble starts. If you're not ready for that, that there is structure. You cannot go to the bathroom 10 times unless you've got a medical condition. If you don't have a medical condition, you need to be trained to say there are particular times for particular things. And uh, these are the realities that uh, parents and children uh, need to contend with. So uh, the psychological aspect of it is paramount, as you say, structure. And we see it all the time where, you know, some parents are very lax in their discipline of their children. And this is something that teachers often complain about because parents would say, you know, they're, they're children. Yes. They they can run around, they can run wild. And when it gets to the classroom situation where there is structure, it becomes a problem. Definitely. I have to say also as a parent too, as 21st parents, 21st century parents, we're just too busy. We are just too busy that we lose the core of the children we have. Mm. We think if we've provided the basic, you've got everything in the fridge, you've got food, you've got... So... You sent them to the best school that yeah, money can I, I, buy. You know, I sent you to the best school. You've got the best driver that can take you to and from. You are safe. And we actually leave it ultimately to the media to teach our kids. You have all the programs that you want on TV, but we don't even see if those programs teach our children anything. Mm. So we are too busy and uh, we're trying to compensate for our absence by uh, buying uh, material things, uh, hoping to placate and fill those voids that our children are left with. We are speaking to uh, Dr. Tumi Diale this morning and we are asking, how do you prepare your child for school? What sort of conversations do you have with your child? Are there any that you would like to share with us? Um, Maybe they were hilarious. I have a few. And, um, you know, maybe it's serious. Maybe you are struggling at this point with a child who just does not seem to be able to uh, fit into the system as we speak. So let us know by calling us on 0891-104-208 or you can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook messages to AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. 
Our question on the forum date this morning, how do you prepare your child for school? Talk to us about your experiences because one of the things that I always wonder about is that relationship between the parent and the school. When your child is going to a school, how important is it for you to familiarize yourself yourself, you, with the school, with the setup, with the principal, with uh, the teachers. Because in this day and age, you wouldn't just drop your child off with anybody. Um, so, And I'm not trying to say that, you know, teachers are just anybody's, but they are relative strangers. And isn't it important then for parents to actually go and uh, get to know the teachers who will be um, interacting with their children? One of the biggest challenges that we have now, is the fact that you'll find many schools complaining about the non-involvement of parents. Parents feel that if I drop my child and I pay these fees, you have to see what to do. But we miss the point that your role as a parent in a school, it's the most important role, more than the teacher's role, because you are the key giver, the key educator of your child. And in you actually interacting with the teacher. You are able to help this child better. You are able to triangulate what's happening at home, what's happening at school, and where is this child. There is no way that this can be a two-way street. This is a triangle. We've got the child, the teacher, and the parent. And unless we get that triangle very correct, we will always face the disciplinary challenges that we have at schools. Well, let's take some of your calls, 0891104208. Tell us, how do you prepare your child for school? And if you need advice, uh, we have Dr. Diale here uh, to talk you through it. Mlambo and Frienachan, good morning. Hello, Mlambo. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say my experience with the smallest child. I do have two children at Andrik Fandabel in Fandabel. So what I did last year uh, after the exams, uh, the, the I mean uh, function um, uh, fundraising for the jumping castles. I paid for the brothers. Then I took a five-year-old child. I mean my son to there. I went to the headmaster and said, "Okay, please, he must come with the brothers." And this child, I tell you, is cute. He's five years. I took this child to the psychologist to have been tested. He's very cute. I mean, I teach them to speak in English. I mean, when they went there. I even went there for the jumping castles. I bought the swimming suit and everything. I took them to school. They went to their mother. So what I'm saying is uh, the children, I mean, they are so anxious to go to school. Even now, this morning when I passed through there, I said, hey, my child here, I mean, can, can I register for school? Because I want him to be at the same school with the brothers. Then they said, okay, right, you must come next year. I mean, I mean after the first year, I mean, uh, I mean when we close. Then you come and read. He's very, very, very cute. And I even bought him a tablet. I mean, when I buy the stationery for other children or the school bags, he asks one. Then I buy for school bags. When I buy the crayons, anything, he asks one, then I buy him. And he is very, very cute. I'm proud of my child who is five years called Mazwei Mlambo. Oh, thank you so much, Mlambo. He sounds very cute. Um, but this is the issue, isn't it, um, Dr. Tiale? It's about having that conversation to tap into not only the fears and the anxieties that the child might have, but also those hopes and those expectations um, and, and, and them looking forward to starting school, as in Mr. Mlambo's case. Yes, it is true because we, we need to go to a, you know, through a process where we start preparing our children for the world of work, for the world of careers. As early as in grade one, not in grade 11, we are too late as we do it in South Africa. 
In grade one already, they tell you what they want to be. Whether they're going to be that one day or not, it's immaterial. But they already have hopes. They already have dreams. They already see themselves as adults. And if we begin to tap into that, and as Mr. Mlamba said, if they are actually curious about certain things and we are able to do it, let's do it. Let's give it to them. Let's see their curiosity. Whether you give them that tablet and they open it, Yes, they want to see what is inside. It's not about breaking. It's about, you know, being curious mm. as any other child. And that's what we need to tap into as part of school readiness and school maturity. Yeah, it's just that sometimes they ask the most difficult things. I remember uh, my daughter, she was about four or five years old at the time. And she asked me, um, we were driving somewhere in Mpumalanga. And, mm. you know, there were these uh, trees uh, there uh, where the uh, uh, the the paper plants are and she asked why are these trees planted like that it's like no you know um they make paper from this and she says oh mm. how's paper made so then uh, you know you regurgitate what you learned at school mm. about how the trees will be cut down and that whole process and i'm very proud of myself that i could tell her about <laughs> making paper and then she goes and how do you make plastic i mean <laughs> I don't know how plastic is made. I've never even thought about how plastic is made. But 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 what that highlighted for me, and, and she was that type of child, she still is. And I was concerned having worked with teachers and having seen how impatient a lot of teachers can be. I was concerned that, you know, she may be labeled as disruptive, um, as a problem child in class. And that actually forced me to have a conversation with her about school and about, you know, all of these things that she should expect and talking to her about, you know, what her views were on the issue. It is true because can you think about it? If you had ignored it and not answered or just closed the topic, you would have closed this child's inquisitiveness first, curiosity, creativity around it for a five, six-year-old to ask that question. And the opportunity, you opened the opportunity, actually, she opened the opportunity for you to begin a conversation about structure. That even if we are curious, even if we want to know things, but within a classroom context, there is structure. There's a certain time to do certain things. And exactly, it leads to that, that if that child is not prepared for that structure, then they begin to be disruptive. Because they would want to ask whatever they want to ask at any time they want to ask it. Mm. Whenever they and not that they're asking the wrong questions, they are very brilliant questions. But is it the right timing? No. What does it mean to the other thirty children in class? And uh, these are some of the issues that we'll deal with. What we will do when we come back from the news break, I want us to talk about um, discipline in terms of mm. the challenges that teachers have with children who come to school and are in some instances just rude, uncouth and unruly. So w- what is it that parents can do to actually help teachers better manage uh, these processes? It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. On the forum date this morning, we ask, how do you prepare your child for school? What are the uh, rituals that you go through, apart from the technical aspects of buying what needs to be bought and making sure that they are dressed, fed, and at school on time? What else is it that you do with your child? Are there questions that you would like answered? Do you have problems disciplining your child and and, and you don't know what to do at this stage? Uh, Maybe you want to ask advice from our guest this morning, Dr. Tumi Diale. And I want to read through some of the messages that we have, uh, Dr. Diale. 
Mayale. This one says, children have to learn to do various activities when another person decides what to do. Social behavior is very important. Terence and Kimberly says, parents must send their children to preschool. It just makes it easier for them to fit in and I suppose then make that transition. Um, Eddie Patriot uh, in Odandalsra says, uh, this is what I do for my kids. Number one, they read the Bible every morning. Number two, I pray with them before they go to school when I'm at home. Number three, I ensure they are well-dressed. Four, instruct them to respect their teachers and their peers. Five, instruct them to avoid food with a lot of sugar and fat as these affect their capacity. That's from Eddie in Wordendalsras. And and I'm glad Eddie, you know, um, outlined it as he did because it brings us to the aspect that I wanted us to look at, uh, which is respect for teachers and peers. And teachers will tell you horror stories of these very rude and uncouth children that they have to put up with in class? It starts at home. It all starts at home. The values that you have as parents at home. I can never believe that a six or a seven-year-old can come to school and be rude and be an angel at home. Maybe if we talk of teenagers, they can play those different heads. But... If a six-year-old or a seven-year-old at grade one is rude to an adult, it means that's how they communicate at home. How do you communicate at home? What are the key values? I mean, the last message you read, basically he tells us the values that Mm. he has, the family values that he has, that he teaches his, his kids. And that kind of a child goes with those values. Whether it's at school, whether it's at a mall, whether it's at church, whether it's at a social gathering, it doesn't matter where it is. They go with those values. But if those values are not actually set from home, it is, we make it very difficult for parents, for, for teachers at school to actually instill the school values now. Because the school values are meant to actually support what children bring from home. And home values are not... not are nothing different if you think of our constitutional values as a country. Those are values that we need to teach our children. Mm. You know, So those are basic values. It doesn't necessarily mean I have now to come with the DLA values. The DLA values are an add-on to the basic human values. It doesn't matter what culture, what religion, what race you, know, you are. Respect, it's respect. It's so a value. it goes back to parenting is what you're essentially saying. It, it goes back to parenting. But, but what are some of the challenges that are thrown up? Because if you look at children now, um, they are very different to the way we would have behaved as children in school. Perhaps because we were caned. Um, you know, corporal punishment was the order of the day when we were in school. Um, it has been outlawed now. So, and, and, and you find teachers being at a distinct disadvantage because they, having been brought up on corporal punishment, are at sea. They don't know what to do with these children. It's true. Uh, I think we need to strike a balance. I have to say I am also anti-corporal punishment because also instilling fear, it's not teaching a child. And what corporal punishment did, it instilled fear. Whereas on the other hand, removing it actually instilled lack of discipline. So we, we, we need to see how do we balance the two. And balancing the two comes back to what we say, the values 
and the family system. What do you teach your child to do? How do you talk to your child? What is discipline based on you as a family? Because that kind of discipline is what the child is doing. And currently, teachers, I understand teachers are struggling. But it's because, unfortunately, our system, our education system, took away corporal punishment from, from teachers, but didn't give them what next. However, if you find the children or the teachers who are recent graduates, you know, who grew up in a context where corporal punishment was removed already, they have better ways of discipline. So it's also balancing the strike between, you know, the old system teachers and the new coming system. And I think in time we will, we will get there. Mm. But we need to begin to involve parents more, but parents should be willing also to to be involved. You know, I always believe that, I always look at myself, you know, as a parent in the mid-40s. I think when I was a teenager, our education system, there were many things that were happening, politics was happening. And I remember there was a time in the 80s where we had a system where we called Agutengwa, where our parents were not allowed to buy food and whatever. Mm. And when they brought food and whatever, we'll make them drink fish oil and all those things. And at that stage, we did one important aspect of parenting. We took away parenting from our parents. Our parents were so scared of teenagers, of the young people, that they lost it. So by the time we grew up and we became parents, we actually didn't know what parenting is because our parents were scared of us, so they didn't parent us. Now we are faced with parenting and we don't know how to parent. That's a serious indictment. Uh, But perhaps just to add to that, you now have also children raising children. Because if you have a 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old having a child, they are essentially still children who are having children. There are children who are having children with a grandparent who is a grandparent who might be 30, <laughs> who also doesn't know how to parent, couldn't parent this 15-year-old, and now this 15-year-old has got a child. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a vicious cycle that we see that has to be broken. How do we break it? Uh, because you, you, you take these children to school and because we can't parent, they go to school and they wreak havoc. We have to go back to us. I think it goes back to self-searching as parenting, as parents. We need to find where did we lose it. Yes, there were many things we did, but did we throw out the baby with the bathwater in the process of transformation, in the process of change? How do we begin to pick up the pieces and make the difference? But as long as we are actually busy, because we are busy, our parents are busy, as long as we are in this busy mode where we just make sure that you've got the, you've, you've got the essentials and the essentials will take care of you. But as for me, I cannot take care of you because I have to go out there and make money. We will find ourselves in, those cha- in, in, the, in that situation. However, also the other side is people will ask that, but even children of parents who are unemployed go through that. Mm. But it is also a systemic problem. Being unemployed, being at home, brings certain aspects of social, emotional, economical aspects of bringing up a child. Mm. I'm just so despondent to do anything that I, I just look at you. You do nothing. I do. Yes. Oh, and, and, and then so they send extremes. these people to school. Yes, they're extremes, and we need to find where is our mid. And the teacher, you're struggling with your one at home, and the teacher has to deal with 40 of these. Yes. So, 
you have to feel for teachers in that regard. Yes. But let's hear your views. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Um, and in El Guatini, good morning. Good, good morning, Sakina. Yes, and thank you for your wonderful programs every morning. Um, thank you, Anne. I haven't. I haven't. I, one one of the things I wanted to say was that may have. I think it's just been mentioned that is about children. Actually, you know, being responsible for the younger children in their family because the parent is not there in the home. She's out working. And this is the point that I wanted to bring out is that so many parents, especially one parent, one parent family, um, the parent is working all day. And when they come home, they're too tired to give discipline to their children. And so this is one of the big problems of today is that, number one, the older children are doing the parenthood and number the parenting, and number two, that parents themselves are, are not there all day long with their children. Once they're gone to school, they're also gone, and they are too tired then in the evening time to give to the child the ideals that they should be given to the child and the values. This is what I want to say. And thank you so much for that contribution. Eddie in Fixburg, good morning. Greetings, greetings from the Free State. Morning, Eddie. How are you, my lady? Great, and you? Cool. Sakina, can I just say, there's a very important side to you people must remember. There's a curse on a nation that ignores the young people. We must spoil our kids. We must spend time on kids. All the kids outside there in the world are my kids. Show them interest. Be friendly. Smile at them. Those kids want to be challenged. Our kids are over-entertained and under-challenged. We must change. Mm-hmm. Look, I've spoken to thousands of kids. I go to lots of schools where I motivate kids to uh, pick up. But let me tell you this. It's very nice in African language. It says, mm-hmm. um, uh, That's very important. Mm-hmm. Let's, spend, let's spend time with kids. I've got a lot of kids at the school, and I tell them to stand up for the teacher when he comes in the class. Stand up and say, morning, sir, or morning, ma'am. And that leads the kids. They must learn to fight for the teachers in their classes. Mm. We must make leaders of our kids. Sakina, truly, the best investment in the world are our young people. Let's help them to be strong and true and vigilant at school mm. and tell them the future is the world. Look, the future is young. The young is the future. We've got to invest in our kids. I've got, I'm also a martial arts karate instructor. I told them yesterday, I said, I will expect you to be the best at school. Study mm-hmm. hard. Enjoy your school. Mm-hmm. You are the leader. You are the future of the world. Mm-hmm. Please take your education serious. So what happens with the kids? So, they, I mean, the problem, kid, problem kids are problem parents. Mm-hmm. If your kids are problem, my lady, you mm-hmm. are the problem. <laughs> and we, we must help our kids. Well, Eddie, you are speaking so many home truths here this morning. It's, it's, it really goes to the heart of the matter. But I love it. Children are over-entertained and under-challenged, as Eddie says. Yes. Let's think about it. If there's a problem child, there's a problem parent. Love it, Eddie. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, Desmond Makanya in Amanzim Toti, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, children. Uh, uh, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm, I'm convalescing, as I did mention last time. Um, uh, actually, are you having the minister there? <laughs> no, Eddie. We are speaking to Dr. Tumi Diale. Okay, okay. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I, I mean, uh, the parenting and, and, uh, and it's very, very important.
because what the child does outside the, the, uh, his or her home, what is happening at home, I mean, seven years old, cannot be rude in school if the, if the parenting is, is okay. So number two, I'm, I'm eight years young, uh, but I remember my first day of school when I was taken by the next-door neighbor, a girl, to take us to school for the first day. And number, number three, I think it's very, very important uh, to note that uh, uh, these children, they need, they need very, very strong parenting, very, 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 very uh, understanding in the foundation phase. Because, you know, when we came to the, to the school first time, I found that there were tables, we're using tables, not desks. So that, that what people say, the psychologists say that that is actually moving away from the home environment so that the child is not getting to a new, very new environment when you're using a table. All right. Uh, Desmond, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Let's speak to Anonymous. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a, a son at school. And um, the reason I refer to anonymous is because I know some of his friends listen to the radio on their cell phones at school on headphones while they're in school. Wow. And what I do know from my son is that the kids, they, they know exactly what the rules are, what the parents can do, what the parents can't do, the same for the teachers. And they decide to challenge this, to try and push the teachers, to see if the teachers will strike them. And that's how they manage to manipulate it. They know they can, and because of that, they know they can manipulate the teachers because teachers can't lay a finger on them. They know that. They know that very, very, mm. very well. So they can pick up their cell phone and play, watch YouTube, but the teachers cannot touch them because they know what the law says. Kids are very, very, very smart, and they will use that to the, they will manipulate that to their advantage, and they know, teacher, you can't touch me. You can't speak to me like that. They know it very well. My son actually recorded some of the conversations amongst the students with that he is with and paid it back to me because I wanted to get an insight of a hearing. What, and what I heard shocked me. Not so, not so bad as well. I haven't heard because I've been in the mm-hmm. army. I'm thinking the way some of these kids are thinking, let's see how we can make class so and so almost impossible to teach him. Why not? It'll be fun. We are bored. Wow. And, and some, of the te- some of the kids are part of the gang. And part of the gang initiation is to make the class basically unteachable. Good grief. And they have members in the gangs who are actually in the same class to see if the, initi- if the initiant is actually doing what he said he would do. Because they want to be top dog. So they your child is in the school, Anonymous. Yes, so he is. In the, he's in the school. Mm-hmm. What are you I, doing I know, as a parent? I know my son. I know what his, I know what his potential is. I know, I know how he thinks because we talk. But he says the pressure in the school amongst the boys is intense to see who's the, who's the toughest, who's the roughest, who can be the... It's, it's just a, like I've got to prove myself all the time. Sure. Uh, some uh, of the biggest bullies aren't the, Some of the bullies are not the biggest boys. It's also the small guys. Let me bring Dr. Diale in here. I think uh, what Anonymous is bringing is what we call discipline at senior phase or even high school, which is another aspect altogether that we need an actual fully-fledged session on. 
because there are other different dynamics from school readiness when the child enters mm. the school. But also at that stage, the big thing that we see at school now is bullying. So bullying on its own is an aspect on its own that we need to address at those phases. What he says now, those are all aspects of bullying. And it is actually something that we need to address, that the Department of Education is trying to address now. But I haven't heard anything much about the parents' involvement in addressing this. Um, no, uh, anonymous, um, so, you know, obviously... The catch, you see, the catch is we are not actually talking to the kids who go through it and actually watch them, uh, for example, in the playground. In the playground, you fibers. You've actually... Talking to the parents is, is, is cool, it's wonderful. But unless you actually speak to the students who are going through it, they're the guys who are actually going through it. My son is the one who's going through it. And um, I remember when I was in high school, I got the cane. I spoke about backchatted my teacher three times. I got the cane. Guess what? I never backchatted them for the rest of my school career. Why? Because it, it woke up in me respect. Now, in, this, in the gang, if you don't respect your top dog, they beat you. May not be at school, but if I get you off to school, they'll beat you for not respecting them. Gee. It's not a fear factor, it's a respect factor. Because boys demand respect. They don't realize you actually have to earn it. But in the gangs, you will give top dog respect. Anonymous, as I say, uh, I think at the foundation phase or at the primary phase, when, when children are at the grounds, there are teachers who monitor them. And when bullying aspects come up, then teachers are easily picking it up. But as they go to you know, the senior phase... When they're at their grounds, they're on their own. When they're at high school, teachers are not there during lunch. That's when these things happen. When classes change and they're in the passages, that's when this bullying take, takes place. And when but you've child- got to have people who are yes. monitors, monitoring, watching. But, but it goes back to I saying... I when I was in school, we had monitors everywhere. Yes, I agree. Not student monitors, teacher monitors. And monitoring. And monitoring, if you didn't know you were being monitored. That's true. Because I can remember that at school. And as much as, uh, you know, we as prefects had uh, zones that we had to monitor, there were teachers who were on duty with us. Yes, there are. However, if it has been brought to you as a parent, my question is, how do, what do we do as parents? Do we take it up and make sure that it is addressed to the core? Or do we just flag it to the school and just leave it to say the school will see to finish how it addresses it? Because my experience has been that these things are brought up to schools, to teachers, to principals, to say, you know, my child is being bullied. And the principal answers, okay, we'll look at it. And then we never ever make a follow-up after that. So we need to begin to also make sure that we follow it to the core, to addressing, because the bullied child has a problem. But the bully also has got a problem. And we need to address both parts, the bullied and the bully, because mm. they both show that they've got some challenges. Because there are particular aspects to choose a particular child to be bullied. And there are particular aspects for a bully to end up being a bully. And you can just imagine the sort of issues that would arise from all of this. Yes. Imagine the teacher, you know, having to deal with a class that has already determined beforehand that there will be no teaching taking place here today. Exactly. So that's why other people are important to come in. We need stakeholders to be part of this. And I'm glad Anonymous raised that because um, one child said to me, if a teacher strikes you, you have 90, 19 seconds in which to retaliate. And I was like, what? 
where did this come from? And 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 it highlights the point that um, Anonymous was making that these children know the rules. Mm. They familiarize themselves with the rules so that they can actually find a way of bending those rules. So uh, thank you so much for raising all of that. Let's go to Cape Town now. Kalala, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You are on my on my day. If I say to my dad or to my mom, I'm not going to school today, it's funny. I have to give a very good explanation why I'm not going. If there is no explanation, then mom or dad will be behind me with the stick, taking me to school, to the teacher. But in our days, we can no longer do that. But my question is, what can we do as a parent? If our kids tell us, I don't want to, daddy, what are we going to do? Because discipline can never be enjoyable. And it's like government is, doesn't want it at all somewhere, somehow. But my question is, what can we do with these kids? Because when it turns around, it's parents' fault. If maybe your kids can help me in that, because I still believe parents is the boss. And the teacher is the boss in the classroom. But in these days, it looks like children are the boss. I wish your guests can answer me, please. Mm, okay, Dr. Diale. If your child doesn't want to go to school or doesn't want to take part, it is your child. As a parent, now it's a one-on-one. And I, I, I don't think, I think we're living too much to say in the government say, the, but these are not government children. These are our children that come from a household. Just like your parent dragged you, you drag your child. And honestly and truly, you drag your child to school to think whoever the government is is going to say, why did you drag your child to school? These children must know that there are rules, that according to the Constitution, actually, between 7 and 15 years, it's compulsory schooling. So the law actually even enforces them to go to school. They might so when, abuse. So when you drag them when to school, them. when you drag them to school, actually, the law says they have to be at school. Hey. <laughs> um, let's hear from Sabelo in Pretoria. Good morning, Sabelo. Thank you, Sakina, and your guests for a very informative debate. Uh, I'm speaking probably as a former teacher. I think the debate is helping us to understand the role of schooling and teachers, and particularly in the foundation space. Mm. You know, I watched SABC TV yesterday, and I saw the challenge of rural schools, where one teacher is teaching grade 1, grade 2, and grade 3. Mm. And that's not teaching as such, but it's called crowd controlling. And I think one of the things that we must learn in South Africa is just to appreciate what teachers are going through. Mm-hmm. And as a former head of a school, I used to say to parents, you do simple things, you support the school and the teachers by attending parents' meetings. There are parents who never attend to parents' meetings. You attend to schoolwork when the child is bringing homework, you attend to that. But more importantly, there's what is called informal education, where you start with discipline at, at, at home. So I think this is a very informative debate. We should be careful when we're too critical to teachers because they are faced with a number of challenges. But thank you very much for a very fruitful debate. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, last call, let's take Mzugisi in Kofimbaba. Good morning. Sakina, good morning. Mzugisi Solani here. Um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, to affirm what your guest was saying there. Uh, government, it's not the responsibility of government to look after our children when it comes to discipline. You know, as a, as a department, I, I work for the Department of Social Development here in the Eastern Cape. 
Uh, we are visiting, you know, um, different rural areas around the Eastern Cape as part of the Back to School campaign. Yesterday, we were in a very small village, somewhere here in the Eastern Cape, uh, in, in Lady Fair. This is uh, a district which uh, performed quite badly when it comes to metric results uh, in this province. We went to this particular school where there was only one matriculant who passed out of 16 uh, uh, during the uh, past uh, 2015 um, um, metric results. The stories that we got to hear, my MEC, uh, MEC Nancy Sishwai, the stories that she got to hear from you know, parents and even teachers about children in a very small village, um, you know, there were issues of substance abuse and, you know, children coming to school drunk. And, mm. you know, basically you can't expect that uh, in, a, in a rural setting because many of us believe, you know, rural settings are more uh, settings where, uh, you know, uh, issues of discipline and, and, and other social and, you know, basic social uh, rules apply, you know, as compared to urban areas. But the stories that we got to share in this small rural village, and teachers, basically, they, 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 I mean, they lost the battle because even parents at home uh, were not in a position to control their children. Children are coming to school intoxicated. So what I'm trying to say is your guess there is right. No government, no teacher is going to be in a position to fully discipline a child. That responsibility still resides, uh, I mean, resides with parents. With, yeah. with parents. So what I'm trying to say, no government still, I'm still saying today, no government is going to take up the responsibility of an ordinary parent. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much, Mzugisi. Well, I hope that we have gone some ways in, in at least, at the very least, just starting this discussion and, and, and impressing upon parents that, there's more to preparing your child for school than just making sure that they have all the necessary items that are on the school list. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Angie Diale, for coming through this morning. Thanks to our guest. We'll try and storyify some of your comments. Uh, thanks to the production team. we back tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock and time for news with Simpiwe Ngongwan.